0: Hello and welcome to The Breakdown, your short, sweet, and digestible guide to public policy issues facing the country today. I'm your host, Brian Phillips, with the Texas Public Policy Foundation. For more information on today's topic and just about any issue that you might read, tweet, post, or hear about, check us out online at texaspolicy.com. Today we're going to break down what's going on in our schools. Over the past two years, parents have become more and more aware that they do not have the control over their child's education that they thought they had. And in many cases, they found that school officials are not respecting parents and their legitimate concerns over things like mask mandates and school closures and an extreme academic philosophy known as critical race theory that is taking over school curriculums. Now, when parents began to ask questions and demand answers, they found out quickly that teachers and principals, superintendents, school board members and other school officials were not the partners that they thought they had in helping to educate their child. One such parent is our guest today. Jeremy Story is a parent in the Round Rock, Texas ISD, a suburb just north of of Austin. Last September, Jeremy was arrested for attending a school board meeting and demanding that he be allowed to speak. Since then, Jeremy has become an an even more outspoken critic of our school system, uh, particularly Round Rock, and the way that they violate parents' rights, and has now even sued the district for violating his constitutional rights. Welcome, Jeremy, to the show.
1: Thanks for having me, Brian. I'm excited to get to chat with you guys. I love a lot of the work y'all do.
0: Well, excellent. Well, let's just dive right in because there's so much to this story. Um, and generally I do these podcasts about in about 15 or 20 minutes, but I think we might end up going a little bit longer today because I just think it's really important that people understand what happened to you and get your side of the story rather than the media or the school officials. Um, so so I'm gonna let you do a lot of the talking. Uh, so let's just start at the beginning. You know, it's not every parent that goes to these school board meetings. You know, you a lot of times you really have to have a reason And, you know, if they're talking about a specific issue that you're hot on or whatnot. So what what motivated you that day? And I think you were arrested in in September, but the incident happened in August. What what meant what, you know, really motivated you to to go to the school board meeting that day? And what did you want to talk about?
1: Yeah, I mean, it goes back a little further than that in terms of what motivated me. And that was June. Uh, The first board meeting I went to was June. And that was because they were hiring a new superintendent. And they had gone through a superintendent hiring process and had gotten down to what they call the final candidate here in, in Texas. You can often, you can have fi- two final candidates, but sometimes they'll, they'll have just one. It doesn't mean that they've selected the person. It means that they're now going to come out of the private meetings the board has had uh, together as a board and they're going to present it to the public. And they're going to say, public, what do you think? And you usually get about two weeks, a little two and a half weeks to, to, for the public to vet that person. And what we had discovered that the gentleman they were proposing they wanted to hire Hafed Azaiz, that five board members were uh, wanting to hire him. It looked like, and two didn't. But more specifically, what we were concerned about was that uh, he had some. He was from Donna ISD, which is a dis- small district on the s- southern border of Texas, and there were some issues of concern. One of them was that he had used the police in May, uh, the month before they were considering hiring him, to um, basically uh, through a enforce a criminal order through a criminal trespass order to try to keep a 59-year-old woman, Hispanic grandmother, off campus because she had been critical of the school district. So he actually had his police in Donna ISD serve her on her doorstep of her home uh, out of nowhere, an order that said, you can't come back to campus for two years unless you have our permission. No, no court process was done, no nothing, but it, kept, it was to keep her off campus from speaking. So there was a concern there. Uh, that I was concerned about when I heard that. I said, this cannot be good for our district if this is true, and it just happened. And I'd seen the video, so it was irrefutable. I'd watched the officers, I'd seen the signature uh, of the superintendent on the order. Uh, the other thing that we were concerned about is we had seen, uh, there was a teacher, a principal who had been accused of dragging a student, a special ed kid through hall through the hallway down in that district. Um, and I'd seen that on video. And I'd also seen how Hafed Azaiz had seemingly protected this principal for some reason, uh, who later became a school board member. It was was all sorts of weird stuff. And so we just thought, this does not seem right. Um, We should vet this gentleman further. And so that's what a lot of parents said in June. You know, hey, let's vet him further. This is a major decision for one of the largest districts in Texas. Round Rock is huge. Mm -hmm. Um, And, uh, you know, we we should consider these are major considerations that you haven't looked into. And what happened in that June meeting is, as I sat there, Five board members voted yes to hire him. Two voted no, and they said, "We've got to hire him right now. We're not going to vet anymore. We are not going to do what the public's saying. We, did, we he has to be hired now." Was there but, any
0: response to your to the you know to the evidence? I was going to say allegations, but you say no. You know, they really literally
1: listened to it and then said, "Nope, we've got to hire him right now." Mm-hmm. Uh, and I thought that's so strange. Why would they not at least from a political perspective? Why would they not wait you know, a week and at least consider it? And then I realized what had happened because mm-hmm. as i watched the two board members vote no and the other five vote yes the next thing i saw as i was sitting in the audience was they pulled uh, hafed aziz out of a back room that he had been hiding in all night i kid you not so he was I already there with my own eyes, the job and and he they said oh look who we have here today and i realized oh my goodness this guy has been in the room the whole night they weren't really considering whether or not to hire him they'd already coordinated this behind the scenes and while i'm thinking this in my head the two board members who had voted no react in surprise that he's in the room. And they say, no one told us that he was going to be here. What do you mean he's here? He's not on the agenda. This is a violation of the Open Meetings Act. You can't just bring him in here like this. And what we realized, and I realized at that point, is that they had coordinated outside of board meetings and left out certain board members to, to bring this guy there all the way from Donna that night. And actually, we found out later they had bought a hotel room for him with district money. Uh, another member, another person in the in the in the boardroom at that time, a community member, saw the district PR lady, her name is Jenny Caputo, editing uh, a video of uh, Hefet Aziz accepting the job before the school board had taken the vote. Outrageous. He was doing it in the board meeting, um, and so.
0: And, and I think uh, one thing you know, all, all of that is is true right so all of the the violations in terms of their their administrative procedure and all of that is 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 absurd, but really what you're getting at is that this meeting was a farce I mean the idea that that they had done all of this behind the scenes and that it was already baked in and then to have this meeting with the uh, with um you know where they're assuming or they're pretending essentially to care about what parents you know concerns what right. parents concerns might be i mean that really i think is we don't want to we don't want to overlook that this is really the core of the issue. Is right. not they just that they it. maybe had violated some administrative procedures, but that they really just didn't care what the well, public had to, th- had it's to say. It's the law.
1: The Open Meetings Act is enforced by the attorney general, and it's a law. You go to jail as a, as, a, as a public official for violating it. In fact, some school officials in Dallas were sent to jail in the last couple of years over this. So mm-hmm. they had literally, we found out later, they had coordinated behind the scenes to hire this guy. Uh, they had actually favored him by giving him a uh, Uh, some of the questions he was going to be asked. They had uh, had private meetings with him. Some of the school board members uh, to coordinate this sort of a thing and, and worked with previous school board members to get him the information. Um, They had been talking to him behind the scenes without other board members knowing these are all violations of the open meetings act. And there's more that it's going to come out, but Mm -hmm. it was bad. And it's not just an administrative procedure. It's a law. And, And that's why they ignored the parents because they'd already made this decision. I went up to Amy Weir, the board president afterwards and said, you know, what you've done is illegal. This is wrong. At what point did you stop listening to parents to address yeah. what you said, Brian? Yeah. I said that to her right after the board meeting. Uh, and she said, well, uh, I, I'd already made up my mind um, you know, before I heard these parents. And I said, well, we've had several meetings where we were presented these things to you in the last couple of weeks. W- at what point during those two weeks did you make up your mind? She said, oh, I'd already made up my mind before that even happened. I was going to do this anyway. And, and I, I mean, said, one of the, "You, the, you the allegations all you the parents, have." She said, "No, I already made up my mind back when we were interviewing." So she the, had basically, you know, I guess the outrageous said, thing for me is, is
0: is that you know the allegations that you brought up are not allegations, but the evidence that you have. I mean, these aren't just. You know, these, these aren't like, you know, white collar type things. I mean, this is, I mean, you're talking about banning a 59 year old grandma from coming to these meetings. You're talking about, you know, potentially assaulting a special uh, special needs student. Um, You know, these are serious, serious allegations that needed to be considered. And yet not only did they not consider them, but they, they, you know, had gone ahead and made the decision without even
1: thinking about it. Absolutely. And it got worse is what, what you were alluding to. And that was that in August, um, I came back to a board meeting and you said, well, Why did I why'd you show up there, Jeremy? And the, the question the reason is, number one, in July they canceled their meeting. And you might ask, well, why did they cancel their meeting in July after just hiring a superintendent in June? Well, because uh, in uh, sometime around the June-July time frame, I ended up getting contacted by a principal down in Austin who informed me that it was far worse than I thought. And I said, oh, wow. What do you mean? And she said, um, well, I've been uh, having a, a relationship an affair with your the, the guy that they just hired as a superintendent. And um, I called to tell him that I was pregnant shortly after they hired uh, him in your district. And he um, told me that I needed to go get an abortion. And then she's a Catholic lady. So she said, uh, I prayed about it and I didn't feel like I was supposed to. So I told him, no, I, I want to have this child with you. And he then told her that if she wouldn't have it, if she wouldn't go have an abortion, he was going to come over and do it for her. Oh my Lord. And all of this happened via text message. So I reviewed it all. I reviewed the phone records. I reviewed the text messages uh, before I did anything. Uh, I went and interviewed this woman, of course, having my wife present because I wanted to make sure there was accountability and everything. Uh, Looked at the school where she taught at, saw the credibility to what she was saying. And, uh, and looked at other documents as well. She filed police reports, all this sort of a thing. Um, And so now I realize, oh my goodness, we have an even bigger problem. I assume the board's going to do something about it and that they mm-hmm. didn't know. So I messaged them via email and say, there's a concern here. Uh, this woman has filed a protective order against the superintendent um, and a criminal complaint and all these things. Uh, and basically those same five board members, not the two that voted against them, but the same five said, uh, we're not going to do anything about this. Mm-hmm. And we're not even going to listen to you and what you have to say. Uh, all written in emails. And so the other two message me and they say and that's daniel weston and mary bone and they say mr story we're extraordinarily concerned about what you're saying but the other five won't let us put it on the agenda to discuss publicly
0: Mm -hmm. and not even even put on the agenda
1: no they wouldn't they held it off the agenda and more than that they canceled the meeting in july so you couldn't even go to the general meeting to discuss this in july i had at that point messaged them about five emails before the august meeting trying to basically beg them to do something. Mm-hmm. Um, and and one, it got so bad that the superintendent was actually served the protective order at the district headquarters. I filmed it because I knew what it was going to happen and I filmed it. Uh, and then I basically shared that as proof with the school board because they were pretending like nothing was going on, or at least five of them were um, and they ignored it. And at that point I showed up in August to basically say, we have a, a very bad situation in our hands. You canceled the meeting. You wouldn't let me speak in June. You wouldn't let anybody speak in July because you canceled it. You keep putting this off the agenda. And they had called a special meeting and they had two resolutions on that agenda. And one of those resolutions was all about safety, security of the community, security of students, safety concerns, oversight of the superintendent. Um, and, and, and so I thought, well, even though this is a special meeting, this resolution has everything to do with what I what I'm talking about. Right. Um, and so I was called to the stand to speak in that meeting, and I began to read that resolution that was on the agenda that night. and I, And it called me board meetings in Texas. You supposedly can't speak about anything but what is on the agenda. I believe that's unconstitutional, but that's what the our board says. Mm-hmm. And so I started reading the resolution and 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 reading. In fact, I was the only person that read that resolution out loud that night that the board was considering that spoke. And uh, I began to explain to them why there was a security concern sitting right next to them and why I I didn't think they were really sincerely concerned about security because they knew that this person had a protective order. And the moment that I mentioned that they were sitting next to the superintendent who had a protective order, the moment I mentioned the word protective order, even though it was absolutely germane to the resolution at hand, oversight of the superintendent security, the um, board president banged her gavel, yelled, that's inappropriate waved her hand, the superintendent nodded his head. And next thing I know, there's two police grabbing me from behind on either arm and dragging me off the stand as I speak. Wow. That is, what that I is didn't crazy. mention is that as I walked to the stand uh, that night and I was walking up to speak, the uh, board president, Amy Weir, did something to me that she did to no one else who spoke that night. And there were probably 50, 60 other speakers. She said, Mr. Story, what you're about to say is non-germane. And so you can't say it. (laughs) I had said nothing. And so I said to her, well, Miss, Miss Weir, um, you know, what I'm about to say is extremely germane. Will you give me the opportunity to say it? And she said, and I said, will you give me the opportunity to demonstrate that it's germane? And she said back to me, and this is all recorded a video. Um, she says back to me, no. (laughs) And so first off, they're not supposed to interface with speakers like that. That was completely, uh, wrong. It's against the right. Texas Education Code. Second off, uh, she had predetermined what I was going to say was non-germane even before I had spoken it. And mm-hmm. third, when I politely asked her, again, I wasn't yelling, screaming, or cussing. I politely asked her, can I demonstrate to you that it is germane? She just basically says no. So she's clairvoyant, I guess, but she's basically <laughs> violating my civil rights by trying to squash what I'm about to say. So then mm-hmm. I said, are you, are you sure you don't want to let me speak? Are you saying I can't speak? And then she realized she'd made a mistake. So she went, well, yes, I mean, no, The moment she gave me permission, I began speaking, and that's when that began to occur. I got about a minute into the talk, and I used the word protective order, and that's when she stopped me. And that's when they dragged me out of the room, but it's not when they arrested me. Uh, They dragged me out of the room. The police said, you know, uh, and then they escorted me to the front door of the school. I left. I continued uh, at the next regular board meeting where they couldn't um, stop you from speaking about anything. They couldn't even claim germaneness or not. I spoke again or tried to speak again, as did other parents. And at that meeting, what they did is they removed – it's a 300-person or so seat auditorium capacity, 375-person capacity room. It's a sign on the wall. You can't dispute that. It's right there on the wall. They actually had taken all of the chairs out except for 18 chairs, spread them out across this auditorium in this next meeting now, right after I, right after they ushered me out uh, about 15 days prior. And they had um, put police officers at the front door – who were just standing there in the doors in silence like the Queen of England guards, not (laughs) saying why they were there, but basically trying to prevent parents from walking into the room. And -hmm. they told all the parents, unless you can occupy one of those 18 government-approved chairs, you cannot be in this room.
0: And they Um, were blaming COVID, right? I mean, this was last September. They actually
1: at the time didn't. They said security. They said COVID. There were different explanations. There's not one uniform explanation. The police officers said they weren't certain. Um, uh, Later, they said they weren't certain. At the time, the police officers at the front door were being asked questions for about 45 minutes by me and other parents. We asked them questions like, why are you doing this? Who told Mm -hmm. you to do this? Can we speak to your supervisor? Um, Is the board involved in this? What's the policy you're enforcing? Can we go into the room? And they they didn't answer any of it. They just sat there silent, staring at us. And then eventually they come out of the room and we later found out through uh, cameras, but they came out of the room uh, and quoted a, uh, a half of a law. But they left out the part that was pertinent as well, trying to argue that they, they couldn't do this, that this was legal for them to block parents out of the school board meetings. Mm-hmm. Um, this, eventually, this, they ended up using force against me to uh, to keep me out of the school board room. It was crazy. Right. So um, that's, and the I mean, board members this... left that room that day because they were afraid that they were going to get arrested for violating the Open Meetings Act. So...
0: Let's finish it up. Let's finish at least this part of the story. So then so then after I mean, you, I assume you were not allowed or not able to get into that room again and were forced to leave.
1: Right. Well, we weren't forced to leave. We just weren't allowed to go into the boardroom. They were literally blocking us out in the hallway. Um, I called 911 at the point that the police officers shoved me to the ground and pinned me to a pole um, uh, for just trying to walk through the door, basically. Right. Uh, after they had answered no questions. And 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 so uh, when I called 911, they said, "Well, Mr. Story, you you know you don't have we we don't have jurisdiction because we're the city police." And I said, "Oh no, I actually have gotten an email because I'd filed a complaint against the police thirty days prior, and those police had told me the internal ISD, the school district police, because these are not city police; these are school district police that were blocking the doors, mm-hmm. um, and I'd filed a complaint against them thirty days prior. Um, that assistant police chief for that school district, the Round Rock Independent School District, had told me that they can't investigate it." And then I needed to take it to the city police. So because I had that in writing, the city police said that they would show up. The moment that they said they would show up, the school board adjourned their meeting abruptly and then issued a press release that it was because of unruly parents. Right. Right. It's totally bogus. It wasn't true at all.
0: Especially parents who were trying to assert their rights or at least trying to get information as to why the rules were changing and, and were affecting them. So let's, let's fast forward a little bit. because uh, well, all get those to rules some... are illegal. Yeah, right. Yeah. Violating the rules. And so I I do want to get to some um, uh, a couple of other questions in terms of, you know, how other parents can get involved and how lawmakers can help and all that kind of stuff. But I want to finish up the story. Um, So um, so all of that occurred. There have been some updates um, in the last, uh, I guess, the last eight months since since all that happened. Um, Give us kind of the sense of where you are now in the the process and how you're fighting to protect your rights. And I guess we kind of got the rights of other parents
1: there. But I mean, you know, what happened was they basically showed up at my house and another gentleman's house after all these incidents um, and uh, claiming that because they had to pull me off the stand, which I mean, was crazy that they did that. That was illegal. Uh, That that they they made a bunch of false claims in their affidavit and um, then uh, got the sheriff, our our local sheriff office to come to my house. And uh, another gentleman's named Dustin Clark, who's an army captain and I'm a minister And they came to our houses simultaneously with, I believe, five different sheriff's cars on a Friday afternoon to arrest us and arrested us for what they said was disorderly conduct with intent to disrupt a meeting. And in my case, I wasn't doing anything disorderly. I was literally exercising my free speech rights to speak during the public comments period after I'd been called to the stand. And that's what they were, that's what they were arresting me for. So this that. is
0: months after the incident. I mean, it I mean, 30
1: days after the incident. Let me just,
0: I mean, this isn't even just, you know, the violation of parents' rights or, or them, you know, trying to avoid accountability at a particular meeting. They are so incensed. They are so um, uh, drunk on power. And they are so incensed that anyone would challenge their power that even 30 days later, they wanted to send a message to you and the whole community. And every parent who thought that they had a right to go in there and say something, uh that no in fact uh, the message is sent we are going to not only stop you from from you know saying your piece at these meetings but when we're going to prosecute you for anything that you do
1: i mean that is that is That's a correct. chilling message wouldn't you say absolutely because i've been contacted since that time you know especially since we filed lawsuits and i started going to the press and we started fighting back by teachers and parents that said you know for so long i've been afraid to go because of what happened to you and, and i didn't you know, even now I'm not sure if I should go. So for every one person that speaks out, there are tons of parents and teachers that want to say something but are afraid because of the school board's actions and how they violated the freedom of speech and how they literally, and that's what our lawsuit is, 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 is suing them for, they conspired mm-hmm. to uh, silence parents, uh, to remove free speech from Dustin and I, and to um, apply unequal protection under the law. Uh, and, and, and basically prevented our redress of the government with, in a peaceful way, right? So they yeah. violated First Amendment, Fourth Amendment, a variety of other uh, constitutional violations um, wantonly just because they, they wanted to get across their, their uh, conceal their agenda. Uh, and, and, and because they didn't want, they want to conceal their own malfeasance. Uh,
0: mm-hmm. So
1: it's gotten, since that time, uh, after that time, uh, those five board members tried then to censure the two board members who were speaking up publicly trying to get this in the public eye? They literally tried to tell those two board members that that they wouldn't be able to go onto campus in their official capacity as board members. Even um, though they
0: were elected to be to be the board. And
1: those board members had to raise money of their own money to basically sue the other five to get an injunction to stop it. Outrageous. So
0: absolutely that, outrageous. that
1: happened two days after they arrested me. So they arrested me, and I think a couple days later. They hold a board meeting, and what's, what's crazy about it is they hold this emergency board meeting right as I'm getting out of jail, right? Right after they put me in jail, they hold another board meeting. They, they hold it in a, in a different location, and they abdicate all the rules that they had had just three days prior, and they basically put it in an auditorium of hundreds of seats, and there's no spacing anymore. Anyone can be there, and hundreds of people show up, and they enforce no spacing, no nothing days later. And, and their whole purpose of that meeting was to censure, or begin the censure process for these other two board members,
0: and so, so those
1: yeah. two board members had to get an immediate emergency injunction to stop it.
0: So where, but there are even further updates. Um, yep. uh, but now, now, kind of where we are in the pro, Where are you in the process? You said you, you're now suing. Uh, we filed the a district.
1: lawsuit against the school yep. district in federal court, a civil rights lawsuit uh, that people can look up at RiseForStudents.org. Rise R I S E F O R Students.org. And you can see the full case there, full disclosure of everything. We have sued uh, those five school board members, the police chief, the assistant police chief, the superintendent, uh, and several other officers that were involved uh, for violating, conspiring together to violate our civil rights, the right to free speech, the right to redress your government without fear of reprisal, and the right to equal protection under the law. Because one of the other things that's going on all this time is, uh, you know, they claimed that they put me in jail because I uh, because I, I was non-germane or whatever else. Um But yet in the same board meeting where I spoke, they allowed all kinds of other parents to speak about things that weren't on the agenda. Mm. They were way off the agenda. One of the parents starts going off on a rant about Ted Cruz and how (laughs) Ted Cruz educates his kids in private school, which (laughs) has nothing to do with either resolution. But that parent was allowed to go on. Other parents, even more so, actually went on, other mothers uh, went on uh, about Aziz and, and, and spoke about the same thing I did, but they didn't do anything to them. Mm-hmm. They went after me as someone they perceived as a leader uh, at Dustin uh, because I had emailed them and because I was I was talking about it more than mm-hmm. others, and so they went after us. And probably because we were guys, I, I, I would mm-hmm. suppose. Mm-hmm. Uh, they felt maybe that was better PR to put guys in jail. And so,
0: and so where so, are all of these folks now? I mean, are the two members that got censured, are they still on the board? What What's going on? Is the superintendent so the that got still got there censored,
1: running? Uh, are still on the board? Okay, and uh, their case went to court. The judge, the, the the other five violated some procedural issues with trying to follow the proper censure procedures. So the judge said, well, uh, since these people can no longer censure you, I can't make a ruling to stop them because it hasn't actually happened, right? So the judge dismissed it, and she told those five, look, don't view this as a victory. Don't go back and retry this because uh, this isn't – I'm not meaning to give you a victory. I'm just saying I don't have jurisdiction because you actually weren't able to follow through with what you were trying to do. Right. Well, guess what those five did? They then tried to double down and censure again those one of those board members. You know, it's and and we had to come in as community members and literally read them their rights as board members and board meetings and read what the judge said in public that they were trying to conceal, um, and so and read it into the board records, which caused them to back off of going down that censorship line again. And so, but it's since that time, we have sued them in federal court for uh, that. Um, they uh, the police chief has resigned, the assistant police chief has resigned, the uh, a board member just a couple of days ago, Jun Zhao, uh, one of the five that's been part of many of these votes, he resigned, leaving the remaining four out of those five um, who are still on the board who are in our lawsuit. Well, they're all still in our lawsuit because they still violated the law. And the but superintendent's still there. Superintendent is still there, and that's even crazier. The TEA got involved. The Texas Education Agency got involved and um you can go to the texas education agency right now and see that there's an active investigation uh on hefet aziz's rec- educator record mm-hmm. it's, it's active right now the school board those five um, are forced by the tea basically or encouraged by the tea to put him on suspension hefet aziz the superintendent pending the investigation right they put That's him on suspension normal procedure they hire an independent investigator that independent investigator uh, states all of her concerns in a private report that the school district won't allow to be made public. We tried to PIR it. We tried to get it from them. They won't give it to us. They, they. Um, I know what was in the content of that report. I know a lot of it because I was interviewed for it. And I have a lot of the evidence, right? I have almost. Well, I have pretty much all of it. Yeah. And so um, the board comes back uh, from all that. They put off and they cancel meetings and they keep trying to put off uh, the investigator giving her public report And after a series of canceled meetings and everything they could do to keep it out of the public eye, they come back. One of the board members was literally crying, one of the five. Um, They try to pass a vote to settle with Hafez Aziz and dismiss him, basically, separate from him. They try to vote for that. Dismissal and separation. Settlement and separation. Well, a couple of the five, I think, are not crazy enough to vote for that in public, right? And so they actually vote against it. And those five split against each other, so they're not able to pass that. Well, they come back the week next after that, and they vote to, to reinstate him. And here's what they do. This is, what, this is how crazy it is. The board president, who's who is now switched from Amy Ware to being um, Amber Feller, reads an, a, a, a message, a letter from a lawyer, she says. And this lawyer, whom she says we can trust— asserts that Hafez Aziz is, has no active investigation into him anymore, and so there's nothing to see here, so you should reinstate him. Just and so, so then she, she reads this letter, and then she says, let's vote right now to reinstate him. They vote 5-2 to reinstate him. And they say, well, let's, let's, let's one-up that. Let's reinstate him tomorrow morning at 8. That's how, that's how brazen it is. Well, we find out uh, by investigation that the letter that she read was from Hafez Aziz's own lawyer. It was, But it was oh, hidden. She she, acted, she didn't uh, openly share that. And then we find out, because I do PIR requests, and so do other parents' public information requests, that the Travis County DA, the Travis County uh, Sheriff, and the TEA all verify to us that they cannot give us some of the records we want. And the reason they say, say is because there are active investigations into this matter and into Aziz still going on. So, the board actually lied to the public, conspired, or five of them did, conspired with the superintendent's lawyer to reinstate him when, in fact, there was an active investigation still going on to this day. And they reinstate this guy, and he is the superintendent right now.
0: Well, look, I we, I, we could, man, there's so many angles on this story. I definitely want to get to, um, you know, I feel like we've got a good sense of the story, obviously, and the the details uh, about it. I mean, a couple of things I want to point out before we get to kind of, you know, what parents and lawmakers and everybody can do, um, you know, one thing I want to point out is, is at no point in this story, do we ever get a sense that the board is in any way considering, Their duty and their obligation to do what's right for students and what's right for parents. Um, It does not, you know, at no point do they even try to make the case that, you know, that, that the superintendent and the way that they're protecting him is a good thing for the people that they serve um what they're trying to do of course is to protect their power and they're and they're almost certainly deeply and personally offended that you would would bring up these issues uh particularly when they're you know they feel like the the matter has been settled um but this is just uh, this is outrageous i mean this is your school board i mean this is not right. you know th- this is you know these are the people that are supposed to be and worrying about, you know, whether or not your kids are getting a good education. And yet this is the kind of, of activity that's going on. It goes on. well beyond
1: the superintendent too, Brian. Yeah. It, they, sure. they, uh, just
0: like, <laughs> I'm not surprised.
1: <laughs> well, in bulleting it, they, they also violate other major issues that board should be dealing with. They spend $17 million of unallocated funds that the board never approved. They have a $30 million deficit in September that, uh, is because, uh, now 5,500 students, have fled the school district,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and they uh, then raise the taxes uh, unlawfully. They dump, they raise the taxes above what they're legally allowed to. Um, that same meeting where they were pinning me out, putting parents outside the the meeting, there was a whole bunch of parents that couldn't get in. They and when the two board members leave, what one of the first things they do after the those two board members leave is the remaining five vote in a tax increase. So they were immediately sued by the community community members. For unlawful tax increase. So, so they have unlawfully increased our taxes. They have spent money that wasn't supposed to be allocated, that wasn't rightfully legally allocated. They have deficits. They have students fleeing the district. They have teachers and mass resignations of teachers right now mm-hmm. at, a, at the end of the school year. Administrators that are resigning and, and board members that are resigning. This is this where this ultimately affects a few Malfeas and administrators and, and board members end up affecting the lives of parents and students across our city. And I'm quite sure. honestly, this happens across our state in different places.
0: Absolutely. But okay. So who we're going to try, try and at least get people motivated. If we don't end up on a happy note, um, we at least want to keep people motivated on this. And so you obviously have have, have uh, continued to be a leader on this issue. You're not afraid to fight. Um, how do other parents get involved? How are their parents? You, you mentioned your website, which I should have yeah. probably been promoting uh, from the very beginning, uh, but mention, but talk about that a little bit more and how parents can can join this movement because we need parents to speak up. That is the most important thing right now is, the, is that they can't be afraid of these kinds of tactics. They have to speak up because they have the moral high ground and they're absolutely right. So, how do they get involved?
1: Sure. We've kind of talked a lot about the story. And uh, if you want to, feel free to edit some of that out because I want to talk about policy and parental involvement as well, legislative mm-hmm. policy and parental involvement, which is the most important part. And, um, you know, for parents, you, can, you have a lot of rights. You can speak at board meetings and you can file grievances with your school district, legal grievances. It's a part of the Texas Education Code. You can. Uh, the school district has to respond to you. There are multiple levels of those grievances depending upon what type of grievance you're filing. All you have to do is basically write something in an email in most, in most districts uh, and send it to a formal email uh, that they designate. Uh, you can organize in your community, uh, and this is what we've done in Round Rock. You can organize parents to be watchful in all their schools and begin communicating with one another so that anytime the school district does violate education code or isn't uh, actually uh, educating kids and instead is pursuing random agendas, which our school districts had that in spades. Um, uh, I mean, we had a teacher. Uh, man, there's so much I can't even say. But <laughs> the, the – uh, the, the, parents need to be aware. Parents need to be aware yeah. of what's going on, and they can then respond by filing grievances, filing, going to school board meetings to speak. Um, and even you can file complaints with the Texas Education Agency. If you see uh, a violation of Texas education law, and you can look online and find that Texas education law, uh, chapter 11 of it pertains mostly to boards and their roles. And you, parents need to be aware of those things and then begin acting on their rights in those ways um, to organize, to speak out, to be aware. Uh, because if they don't do it and they don't hold their districts accountable, then no one else will. And we don't need to be necessarily just shouting or screaming at boards, that's not what this is really about. This is about being proactive to fight for education and to fight for students' education and not allow a few people to co-op. And and the fact is that in in most educators, teachers and things don't get in this for power or money. If they wanted that, they would be in a different profession. They're in it because they really want to educate kids, but they often find a system that's preventing them from being able to do so and do so well. Um, And and I was just
0: going to say- That that a lot of people's issues. I mean, you're having these issues, but you know, potentially, you know, the wrong superintendent or potentially a corrupt superintendent, um, and you had concerns about that, and we're and we're met with you know obstinance and hostility. A lot of parents are just very concerned about you know mask mandates and school closures and things like you know critical race theory in their schools and some of the content that's going on. We've seen examples all over, you know, San Antonio and up up near the Dallas area and places. And, And parents want to be able to come out and and have these legitimate concerns, but they're being met with the same kind of hostility that, that that you're being met with as well. That's correct. Uh, we so have that in own work
1: as well. We've had the yeah, social. Yeah, not just violating learning. these
0: procedures and things like that. Like it's really important that that you know their their concerns about the curriculum are just as legitimate and worrisome as your concerns about you know the behavior of, of their you know your school leaders. So you know we're doing a parent parent empowerment tour right now at TPPF. We've been in six different cities. We're going to be in about a you know half a dozen more throughout. Um, Throughout Texas. You can learn more about that tour at txparentsmatter.com. That's txparentsmatter.com. Um, and one of the things that we're hearing from parents, or one I, one that really stuck in stuck with me, is that you know, there was an activist parent there, and she had been doing this for about a year. And she's like you, Jeremy. She just said, Look, I was kind of an accidental activist. I just got into this because I was forced to, because nobody else was speaking up, and there was clearly some things that were going wrong in my district. But I can only do this for so long. I have to have a job. I can't afford all of these legal bills to fight all these grievances and, you know, and, and pay for all these lawyers. Like at some point I'm going to need some help. And so they were looking at, you know, organizations like TPPF and, and, uh, and, um, uh, Americans for children and other organizations like that. But at the end of the day, they said, look, if the rules aren't going to change or the lawmakers aren't going to get involved, it's going to be really hard for us to keep this up for very long. So what is your message to lawmakers to say, you know, here's how you can support these, these activist families that are trying to do the best things for their kids?
1: Yeah. There's a, there's a variety of things they can do. Number one, we need to stop taxpayer funded lobbying. Um, this is a, a big deal. It's where a lot of your taxpayer dollars go for your property taxes. Uh, because, uh, you have groups like the Texas association of school board and, and, um, other groups that, uh, uh TASA Texas association of school administrators that, that basically are, are outside nonprofits, but then lobby the state government and they receive their money indirectly through, uh, your tax dollars because, all these districts and, and people in them are members of them. And so uh, oftentimes your tax dollars are going to pay for lobbyists to lobby for things that are not in the best interest of your, your kids or not in the best interest that you would agree with as an individual. And so this system perpetuates itself. And, and board members are kind of um, put in their place and told, well, you can't really don't you really can't don't rock the boat, just kind of rubber stamp everything that comes your way. And this sort of a system has to be broken up so, that, uh, so that, that we can actually see uh, educators educating. So uh, stopping taxpayer-funded lobbying is, would be a big one. Uh, another one would be uh, making sure that um, police officers and school districts uh, are run by our sheriffs, our constables, our cities, and not by our school districts. Right now in Texas, school districts can maintain their own little mini police forces. And that's what we've seen in Round Rock ISD. That's what we've seen in other districts where parents have been arrested or harassed. Uh, These school police forces are often inadequately prepared. They're inadequately trained. Uh, uh, Uvalde is an example of that because uh, when when the the police officers initially showed up were school district police officers, and one of them showed up without a radio. The the police chief of the school district is the one that made the call to keep everybody outside the school, including Mm -hmm. the city police and the county police that came to help. They had to sort of negotiate with the school police to be able to get in the school district building. And so these, uh, these school districts are not supposed to be in the business of policing. That's not their job. That's not what they do best. And so when they try to take on those roles, it results in poor security, which I know is on every parent's mind. Uh, and the legislature needs to change that and stop that from being able to happen. But it also, these police departments report directly to the superintendent. So what we're seeing a lot of times is boards and superintendents in effect, using these police forces as their own little personal—I would, uh, maybe it's a little extreme—but like a little personal mafia, where they basically yeah. leverage these police forces to silence parents, mm-hmm. um, and so p- parents are facing down literal police forces not meet- just because they show up to speak at a board meeting, and yeah. um, that's not the way it should be. Uh, and it's also more expensive. So uh, these districts end up spending way more money on their internal police forces than it would cost. Uh, for the more well-trained local police to actually police these school districts. Mm -hmm. Uh, So what affects us there? And then I would say, uh, thirdly, um, we we need to uh, make it easier or create other ways for parents to give feedback at at a statewide level. Um, I I believe uh, snap elections or recall type elections would be a good thing for school districts. Because that way, there's an immediate remedy that parents can take. Because what happens in your local situation now is if your local agencies, like say your county commissioners or your sheriff or your county attorney or your, you know those people, if they're not willing to take action, and oftentimes they aren't because they don't want to tackle these school districts, then you as a parent have almost nowhere else to go. You can't go appeal to the AG directly unless they violate the Open Meetings Act. You can't just go and say, well, they're, they're breaking the law because your local agencies have to take care of it. So as a parent, you either have to wait till the next election to try to do something about it, which could be years down the line, or just file complaints and hope that someone will do something. But making a more direct feedback where, where parents can actually go beyond their local entity if they need to um, would be helpful. And one of the ways that they could do that is through recall elections and SNAP elections.
0: Right. Well, Jeremy, this has been great. Um, I mean, I I really feel it's, um, you know, this is a really important story to to tell people. I think the specifics are really important that people understand kind of what you went through and what you experienced and how you tried to fight back and tried to assert your rights, but were, you know, stopped and and prevented by these school officials, these elected school officials uh, who are supposed to be serving the people, serving the parents, serving the students, but instead uh, are really taking a very hostile approach uh, to parents and their legitimate concerns. So number one, thank you very much for fighting and continuing to fight, uh, uh, but number two, you know, we we do need to address these these issues. We do need to address them um, uh, most likely in the next session uh, at the st- at the state legislature to ensure that parents don't have to go through this kind of thing when they have legitimate concerns like you had.
1: So, thank you very much for sharing your story with us today. What, one other real quick thing on the policy side, and that's follow the money, and uh, it's very important, I think, to uh, provide. Make it to where school districts have to have higher accountability in their contracting. Because what's yeah. happening is a lot of these local contractors are using school districts as their piggy banks. Uh, bond companies are making money off selling these bonds, and it ends up just affecting the taxpayers. Uh, mm-hmm. but, but basically, school districts, because they don't have as much oversight and, and the, because they are independent, that's a good thing. But the bad side of it is that on contracts and things, they become basically giant money laundering schemes, in essence, for local contractors, banks other things that all make money off these school districts and off our, basically our tax money. Uh, so well, it the basically end- means that students for every dollar spent get maybe 30 cents you know, instead of the dollar. And so we need to have greater accountability measures uh, that school districts have to go through when they're giving out contracts and spending uh, money.
0: The ins and outs of that could be a whole other 45-minute podcast. Um, well, thank you again for being here today. Really do appreciate
1: you taking the time to tell your story. Thank you for allowing me to do so.
0: Um, And and as usual, if you want to get more uh, information on this, again, um, the website we've set up specifically for this issue is txparentsmatter.com. You can get get more information about the the issues that we're working on related to this. Um, But then you can also go to our main website, texaspolicy.com, and get information on just about any issue. Uh, Thank you for listening, and we're, we're glad you were here. Thank you.